podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. We're talking about being in the Champions League again. This is bad when you're clutching at straws because you think Adebayoak and Fenwa is a font of football knowledge that he thinks Leeds will make European football this year. It's quite European football. We've got quite a lot of Spanish players, a German centre-half, so if that's a European football, a Polish international. We've made Northern it. Northern Irish, you know. Welcome once again to another Match Day edition of the Leeds That Podcast. I'm Paul and today I'm joined by Andy. Hiya. And James. Morning. Today we discuss our first Yorkshire derby in the Premier League at Bramall Lane. It's actually the first Yorkshire derby in the Premier League since 2001 when we beat Bradford. Coming up, we discuss our head-to-head record, speculate on the lineup, discuss the opposition, give our predictions for the game, and then, as always, we have a chat afterwards with our immediate thoughts and feelings on the game. Anyone fancy a beer? It's eight o'clock in the morning, Andy. It's eight o'clock in the morning. Why are we up so early for the first half of this podcast? We've been pandemicked, is what's happened. Two seconds, let me get my sunglasses for Paul's teeth. I haven't seen him on Zoom for a while, and he's got the pearliest whites the world has ever seen. Is that a not to Leeds United, then, pearly whites, Paul? It's something I've done for the Premier League. Premier League whites. It's really awkward, though, because you've mentioned my teeth and my mouth's all got all tight, and I'm really conscious about it. Have you had some Botox should... as well? Have I what? Had some Botox. Yeah, just a little bit up here. Next next one you need makes for them air transplants. <laughs> Shocking. I realised that the uh, barber char- is charging a fortune and he keeps leaving a bit long on the top, just at the side. And I've realised that it's so that I can do a little sweep to make it look like it's less bald at the top. Anyways, head-to-head record. We have played... Oh, this is a fun one. This is one for, for Matthew. Now we're in the Premier League, you can get your uh, head-to-head records from the Premier League website. They have a preview of the game, and it says, Games played for... (laughs) Last fixture, 1993. So according to to the Premier League, the last time we played Sheffield United was a 2-1 victory in 1993. The BBC website do include other football. So, you know... But it's atrocious way that that history is washed out by the Premier League. There you go. Our actual head-to-head record is incredibly tight. We've won 30, drawn 23 and lost 29. We've only won two of the last 13 fixtures, which do date back to 1993. And the last time we played them wasn't much fun. Awful. We did, however, win last time out at Bramall Lane in what seemed to be a really crucial game at the point. And when you actually look back at the season, we uh, drew one all on aggregate with them. It's just context and timings, isn't it? I seem to remember that game being the making of Stuart Dallas. It was like the first time he was sort of playing properly out of position and he had a, had a right game. What's his name? Young Jack Clark. Was uh, Jackie Jackino Clarkio? Never heard of it. Yeah, where has he gone? I haven't seen that he's had a loan out of Tottenham. All, all I ever see via still forgetting to unfollow him on Instagram is posts of him linking to his Leeds United friends so I thought Jack Clark was going on loan to Birmingham did that ever happen or not well a quick Google will tell us I don't think anyone will care either do you well, it's, it's kind of nice to know isn't it it's like it's like um, you know when you've lost contact with a mate at school for years and you you sort of go on to Facebook and you have a quick look you're like yeah are they doing worse than me I hope so according to his Wikipedia page he has not yet gone on loan this season. He had six games on loan at QPR in the second half of last season. Only six? He played against yeah. us when we were down there, actually, didn't he? He came on as a sub. He, he did in that 
ridiculous game as well. Yeah, I was. You could say he played. He just he was just there, wasn't he? He appeared. Tell you what, that that game links into something I'd like a little chat about because in that game, I think VAR would have sorted us out. But VAR has had a bit of a bit of a shocker of sorts this weekend. All that. It's altering the game so much, isn't it? Has anyone did anyone get a chance to watch any football yesterday or see it match of the day? Yes, I saw um, a couple of things. I watched Crystal Palace Everton, which easy is looking good. QPR reference again, and but also yeah, the Man United and plus ten add on scoring a penalty after the final whistle had been blown as well was horrendous. The typical typical scum that in it that could only happen to scum. Well, the thing that they don't dirty scummy scum. Scum. I watched that with uh, the gentleman who hates you saying it, and uh, the thing that doesn't Scum. get referenced, the thing that doesn't really get referenced when people are talking about it, Solskjaer's talking about after the game, it's not that it was definitely a handball, because it was, it's that they scored with 94-46, and there were 14 seconds left, and then he played an extra two minutes and allowed them to have a corner, and allowed them to take a corner, and allowed the game to finish. So it, it just questions when you've got VAR and it's only doing certain things and it's not doing other things, like not overruling a corner. I saw... For certain um, clubs as well. It only happens to certain clubs, doesn't it? Well, I watched the Chelsea second goal and it there appeared to be a clear foul in the build-up to that on the West Brom player. And they didn't go back and look at that. So it's... it's VAR's there and it, it feels a bit of a nuisance because it's just like doing... 60% of the decisions up, severely upsetting Roy Hodgson. No one likes to see a pensioner sad, do they? Well, he says he's not enjoying the game anymore because of the uh, because of the new handball rule. It, it doesn't make sense because when you look at that Chelsea equaliser, that kid they've bought for loads of money, he handballs it the same way that Cock handballs it, the same way that your man in the Crystal Palace Everton game handballs it, and they play on and they score. I've had further clarity on the cock and ball against Liverpool in that I thought it was... Ball and cock. Well, it was knee to, knee to, knee to hand, wasn't it? Uh, but apparently because it didn't deliberately come off his knee, he didn't deliberately play the ball with his knee, then the, that rules his knee out and it's still handball. How ridiculous. I hope that we're not sat here talking after the game about these kind of issues. If that happened to Fathead Maguire, it'd have been absolutely fine, wouldn't it? He just looks miserable. He looks like he's got the weight of the world on his shoulders as if there's something hanging over him that's really horrific. His giant head. I think it's uh, nightmares of a trip to Greece, to be fair, but... He's like a walking, talking Corinthian figure, that fellow, isn't he? Oh, you're in your, uh, you're in your cave. I am, yeah. I feel safe in the case, so I can say what I want, but then I forget this goes out to the public. He's slagging off the England, one of the England players. And, Not yeah. my captain. Not my captain. Well, back onto the game. We're doing this early, it's been alluded to, so we don't know the team. So team news generally is that Pablo's out for two weeks. Adam Forshaw's had a setback, so he remains out as well. Get well soon, pal. Llorente, uh, who we've signed since we last spoke, um, is to provide direct competition for Cock and Cooper for the two centre-half places. What do we think? That's great business, isn't it? Diego Juarente is uh, 
is a really good player. He's been coveted by Liverpool and Man City, I believe, in recent terms. One Liverpool's going to buy him for fifty million in January or something, and then didn't. If that's the case, I think we've uh, done exceptionally well. He's been likened to John Stones, which excites me and also terrifies me. I like signing a player who doesn't look like a footballer. You know, what does he look like? <laughs> he does. Oh, is, that, is that what you liked it when we signed uh, Lee Trundle? <laughs> yeah. And Andy Robinson when he turns up. Yeah. But you know what I mean? It's like the element of surprise. Like, he doesn't look like a footballer. Someone marking him on the pitch who's not done their research or he's marking someone on the pitch. Yeah, I'll be fine. He doesn't look like a footballer. Full sense of security. We've got him. We've had a lot of players over the last 16 years that don't look like footballers, haven't we? More than 16 years, I'd say, Andy. But he's not going to start, is he, surely? He might start. Uh, I've been interested. Well, no, I, 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 you know what Mr. Bielsa's like? He looks like he's maybe setting up for a three at the back, isn't he? We might, he finally, we might finally see the, the fruits of three, three, one. He said specifically to Adam Pope that he wasn't going to set up with a three at the back. And I think the idea with Lorente is that he can play left or right hand side of centre back and the way it sort of came out which is probably what he didn't mean is that he's that he's back up for Pascal Struick Pascal has been good I'd, I'd feel for Cooper if if he gets flicked for Laurenti and Cock but uh, big big licks to, uh, to Cooper today 200th appearance for Leeds United yeah they're not going to drop him for the captain for his 200th appearance for someone that we signed on Wednesday whether they're a Spanish international or not it's been great Liam but can you just sit this one out? We know you missed the centenary match as well for your injury, but, you know, sorry, mate. You know what I didn't mean for today. I meant in general. But I think I think big shout to him against 200 appearances for Leeds. Uh, that's, a, that's a great feat. You're right, because we all wrote him off, really, didn't we? Us on the podcast I, and... I didn't. I say wrote off, that's pretty harsh, but everyone was a critic of Liam Cooper and didn't think he could push push on any further. The first time he was picked as captain by his peers when under the Thomas Christiansen era, I think everyone was shocked because people thought that it, his time was up because what we really wanted was a Janssen-Bartley partnership. That was Everyone was still clamouring for that. I guess Liam Cooper was playing sort of second, third fiddle to those guys and actually... As it's progressed, he's been a, a core element of been what's good at this club for the last two years. What people seem to kind of forget in all this blue-eyed love towards Calvin Phillips, which is rightly so, but Marcelo Bielsa has also transformed Liam Cooper into a world-class centre-half. Liam Beckenbauer, they call him in the, in all. World-class is a bit far, but you know what I'm saying. He's transformed his career and turned him into an absolute gem of a defender who does not look out of place so far after two games in the Premier League. Caveated that that he made a couple of mistakes. Yeah, I'm going to stop talking as well. So the big decision then today really is uh, whether he starts Tyler Roberts or Rodrigo. I I think he'll play him for a half each, regardless of who starts at which bit. So... What do you guys think? I want Rodrigo to have more game time because he needs to get used to it, doesn't he? That's that's obvious. Tyler Roberts hasn't hit the form he did when he was playing. You know, like the whole game where he grabbed grabbed a couple when he came on, and around that time he was he was brilliant. You want him to kind of return to that that sort of former glory. I'd be quite I'd quite happily see him, you know, solidify a place in the first team because I really like him. But yeah, we just need to get it done, don't we? So whatever works. People seem to forget that Tyler Roberts is twenty one. 22, is he 21 or 22? No, but people do forget that he's a young lad still learning his craft and he's very good. He's raw. Um, I thought he did well when he came on against Liverpool. 
thought he'd played well against Fulham. I'd be interested to see how he goes against Sheffield United, who are a tricky side, but I think with his trickery and pace, he could do him some damage. I think that all seems completely fair. Well, James, we started a fantasy Premier League football league uh, for this season. There's quite a few people in there, 110 teams in, and anyone can join still. So, And we're fourth, which is pretty... Pretty amazing. It's really. remarkable. Am I bottom? Am I bottom? Let me have a quick check. My team consists only of people who have played for Leeds United. Talk us through it. I can't remember it. James, have you got it on your screen there? Andy, you're fifth from bottom. Hey, I'll take that. I'll take that because I've got people like Delphi who don't get a game. Well, you've avo- you're avoiding relegation at the moment, which is pretty good going, isn't it? I mean, you've well, got not- you've got an injured player in there. Our mate Millie, James Milner, calf injury, seventy five percent chance of playing. You might want to swap him, mate. Nah, mate, I've just got pure leads in there. I've gone for nostalgia and joy. So I've got, I think I've got Schmeichel and Sticks, haven't I? Yeah, but when I say swap, I mean just sub him out so you can at least get some points. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm going to, I win the Moral League. I think Chris Wood's doing all right for me, isn't he? Didn't do last night, but... I've got Chris Wood and Eddie Nketu up front. That's a right strike force, isn't it? You should, be, should get some points. Eddie scored the other week, didn't he? So yeah, I but, bet you've uh, got loads of money left in your bank as well, aren't you? How much have you spent? I think I've got 30 million. <laughs> you, you've designed that team on the basis that you uh, don't want to go into a complete financial capitulation, haven't you? I just want to just lead players. <laughs> well, shout out to Ailing Flops propping up the league at the moment. And uh, equally, there's some there's some names on there that you just can't ever read out. I thought we had no Man United play. We couldn't enforce it, could we? want our rules. Someone's name's Manchester Reds. We'll kick him out of the league. Yeah, how do we do that? <laughs> no, Martin Eggleton, kudos to you, mate. No scum in my team is his team name. <laughs> Some of the names on here are great. Absolutely brilliant. There's Strike It Lucky. That's genius. I had Hakuna Bataka one year. That was good. Pale Ailing, who's top of the league with 187 points as we get into the thick of game week three. Very nice, very nice. And if you want to join the fantasy football league our fantasy football league go to leadsthat.com forward slash fantasy and there isn't a picture of Andy in his underwear that's not how this works unless there's demand I've had a little look on the opposition forums on s24su.com really don't think uh, Sheffield United have a very big um, forum presence I thought they'd have more greasychipbutty.com the, the poster that I picked out this week is called Chip Butty Blade. <laughs> but they're so predictable so bloody boring he said oh Bamford trips or oh, his trailing leg getting off the coach or oh, we score or oh, we win or oh, springs eternal basically he just wants to win doesn't he basically he's just said what any football fan ever thinks going into a game hasn't he yeah but he's, he's my favourite bit is that he's spelt over O-V-E-R as O-R-R. I love little Yorkshireisms. Anyway, thought we'd have a chat about opposition. Sheffield United, they've lost five in a row in the league. Um, The narrative around Sheffield United, which thoroughly upsets Chris Wilder, is second season syndrome. Um, But how impressed have you guys been with them since they returned to the Premier League at our expense last year? Don't care. Yeah, I've not, I've not looked at them since. Do you know what? I haven't watched or read or seen anything about them ever since Wilder was um, 
having a bit of a dig at Bamford. Do you remember when he was drunk in those sort of post-promotion interviews and he was sort of ranting about Leeds rather than um, enjoying the successes of being promoted? How much do you think that matched that context, given that the majority of our squad are the same? Do you think that will play into our mentality at all today? Yeah, I think we own one. I think we all want them all go to town on them. You've got to remember as well, that last game against them was fine margins. Going back to Tyler Roberts, he smashed the post, didn't he? We were so close to actually beating them or, or certainly drawing that. And likewise, Dart Lane, it was the same there, wasn't it? It were, uh, they battered us for a game and we nicked it. It's going to be a tight game today, let's, let's be fair, but they're missing one of their best players. We don't, oh, Billy Sharp probably, we don't set up to defend or to be passive and that's why there's been 14 goals in two games the reason there weren't that many goals in all the games that we played in the championship is the vast majority of teams set in deep to allow us onto them but have enough men around to try and snuff out the attack to play on the counter and to hope to pick up something that they could then cling on to it's very few teams probably West Brom and Fulham being, being a couple of the the clear two that I can think of that really set up to go about and and actually match up and give us a game. Liverpool were always going to do that. Fulham were always going to do that. So we've had two teams that have done that. It's today, the Sheffield United team, the way they played on that day when they beat us, they they did exactly that, but better than most because they're an effective unit. Are they going to come out and play or will they sit tight, sit deep and look to catch us? I think they'll try and go at us today. I think they're going to underestimate us and think that they're the big dogs after one year in Premier League. Yeah, I don't, I don't think Wilder is the sort of person to to set up in a way to let us play and then counter that. I think he'll just try and impose his style on, on Leeds. And if that's the case, then fine. Uh, I think we'll be okay because I think that's been sussed out now, if I'm honest. And the second the second season syndrome probably is a thing. And I hope it. I hope it is for them, and we get something out of it. I would just love a, a win at Bramall Lane. It'll be phenomenal. It would be incredibly uplifting if we can go there and pick up the three points today, put back-to-back victories together, get our first away points on the board. Let's see. Referee, thanks as always to Joe Bedford. A referee for gaming at Sheffield United. Is Wigan supporter Paul Tierney. He last took charge of Leeds in the 16-17 season. We lost both games, the last versus Brighton away. Do you remember the game? Is that the one where Cooper got sent off? Or was it Click who got sent off? We lost 4-0, didn't we? He sent off Calvin before half-time. That's it. And then Click, was it Cooper who had a shocker then? Yeah. And we lost 4-0 and got, yeah, it was awful. Anyway, his lead stats, the... 10 games, 1-4, drawn 1, lost 5. He's given us one penalty and given the opposition 3. Interesting one. The video assistant referee today is Chris Kavanagh, who was the referee yesterday who gave Man United a penalty after full time. We might as well just not bother watching the game, might we? So, having said all that, what's your predictions for today? What are Twitter saying? 73% saying a Leeds win. 21% 21% draw and 6% Sheffield win. My favourite bit was that somebody took exception to the fact that you called them Sheffield and didn't put <laughs> Sheffield United. <laughs> I love doing things that just irk people. It's good. Who calls them Sheffield? Us. Most people. And thanks to El Loco Joe, who stepped in to say, who cares? <laughs> yeah, not, yeah, exactly. But also as well, it's like, 
Sheffield Wednesday are in the league, so just call them Sheffield. There's no other one here. It's going to wind up everybody. That is perfect. Sheffield Wednesday fans hate it. Sheffield United fans hate it. We love to see it. You equally didn't call us Leeds United, so what's that about? Farsley kicking off somewhere. <laughs> Andy, what do you predict? Sitting on the fence this time, I'm going to go for two predictions. My aunt says we win 2-0. My head says draw. I, I just think it's really important, as you said earlier, to get some points on the board. Uh, I think Rodrigo is going to score today. Rodrigo? Rodrigo. I would love a win. It would be perfect, but it's always a tough game against them. They always raise it, no matter what. First Yorkshire derby in the Premier League in 19 years, or whatever it was, Paul, and yeah, a draw would be fine by me, but a win would be exceptional. I think I said after the Liverpool game, it's all good and well, playing that well against the champions and and losing and being happy that you've, well, not happy that you've lost, but proud of the performance and said we played well and feeling quite upbeat. But you need to get some points on the board, and if we did that and didn't get at least four points over the next two games, it's worthless. So I think it's really important we get a point at least today. Well, I'm, I'm going to go for 2-0. Who took? Leeds United. Go on, lad. I'm, fi- I'm feeling confident. I don't want to use that as my word, but I think just coming out of last week with a victory, going into this one, and all the context and everything around it, this is so big for them. It's It feels a bit... I know it's game three, but for, for them it feels a bit make or breaky because if they go on to lose three in a row, they haven't scored yet, and... They... And Mr. Egan's big as well, isn't it? They're going to have to put 97-year-old Phil Jagielka or four-year-old Ethan Ampadu it back, aren't they? That's exactly... You know way more about other teams than you let on. I ask you, you say, I oh, don't care, and then you pull out all the facts. <laughs> but it's true. And So for them, if they lose, that narrative really is, is set in stone, the second season syndrome. It's huge, and I, I dare say people might be asking some questions about Chris Wilder. <laughs> so... Let's let's see. What's your word, James? I'm going to go with find. I think we need to find some creativity with Pablo out the team. I don't know where that's going to come from. Hopefully Tyler Roberts or Rodrigo. I need to find uh, some sort of connection to BT Sport to watch this game because I don't have one. So uh, that's going to be an interesting scramble this morning. Or it's 99p for a listen on LUTV. Oh yeah, that's a good shout. Andy? Cock. I, I think we're going to see the best of cock today. I think he's going to put in a big performance, really nice and hard, and he's going to be the man of the match. Would you say he's growing into this side? Yeah, I think I'm growing into it. I'm going to go for the worst word that I've ever used. I'm going to go for eager because I'm eager for the game and it sounds a bit like Egan and I I hope they really miss him. (laughs) It's awful. Enjoy the game. Leeds United, yes, I am sat here watching BT Sports, look at that miserable Chris Wilder looking so salty, and I am so happy, thank you Beer 52. (laughs) (laughs) So we're back after Leeds 1-0 victory at Bramall Lane, initial thoughts boys, what did you punch, what did you throw? Luckily I was in the lounge, not the man cave, so the man cave's still looking fresh. How good have we started this season? I've gone back to it a couple of times. Sorry, James. I've gone back to it a couple of times. I said, that if what's the point in getting daft and excited over the Leeds-Liverpool game if we don't come out with at least four points? We've come out with six. It should have been seven. What a great start. So proud of this team. I think I said after the Liverpool game that 
sometimes if you lose like that, you then don't get carried away and you go on and you, as long as you do well in the f- subsequent games, you can learn more in defeat than you can in, in, in victory. Obviously, we've got a massive game next up against Manchester City. We're getting their excuses out of the way this morning about having about four players available. But we've just continued to play how we've been doing for the last two years. And the the most accurate punditry that I've seen so far this season uh, bef- was before the game, where they were saying that the vast majority of this squad have are drilled in this and have played this way for two years now. And I think that can tell, especially when you bring on Rodrigo at half-time and, and it looks as though, to me, the only thing he's lacking is that kind of uh, synergy with the rest of his team because you can see the class that he does have. You're definitely right about synergy. And I think if you imagine a, a bunch of players in the team that were new and, and hadn't felt the hurt of losing to Sheffield United at home in 2019, they wouldn't have necessarily known how to go into that game mentally and would have probably followed the sort of press narrative at the moment. But Sheffield were well up for it. You know, it was a typical Yorkshire derby. It was hard work. They had to grind it out. And you saw Patrick Bamford at the end. He was knackered. He was absolutely knackered. I think there's been an awful lot of surprise about how we've started the season as a newly promoted team. I thought it was brilliant how they sent Rio Ferdinand to the training ground. It shows that they're really in touch with the Leeds United fan base. Should have asked us what to do, shouldn't they? We would have said, don't take bloody Rio to the training ground. If only the Dasters. But the whole point is, just look at what we're doing. When they said, oh, Marcelo's got a new bucket. No, he hasn't. I wonder if they sponsor it. Oh, well, yeah. Oh, Leeds attack, don't they? Yeah, Leeds do attack. Oh, Leeds do this, Leeds do that. Oh, they're taking off this record signing, must be injured. No, it's a tactic. We wouldn't wonder in the 90th minute. Back down, back down. Everybody outside of Leeds United circles, surprise. Anybody who's not had their full focus on Leeds United for the last two years, other than the uh, championship lot, are being surprised by a lot of things that we're just so used to. Happens to Sheffield United too. People yeah. couldn't believe last year when Chris Basham ran from centre-half and terrified defenders because he ran from centre-half. Watch lower league football, it's actually quite good. How much have you watched since went up? I watched the Huddersfield game last night just for pure lols. I checked in on the EFL last night and looked at the table. I didn't, didn't Derby get pumped. I don't want to talk about it, but I was like, yes. Yeah, Bradley Johnson scored twice. What a boy. My Have you seen them? There were two absolute screamers. Well, Mrs. Uh, Mrs. Andy's a Blackburn fan, so it's quite enjoyable. But let's get back onto this game. It's, I know I'm the one who put the segue in, so apologies. At half time, I was speaking to a few people who thought that Sheffield United had just edged it. What are your thoughts on that? Who? Sheffield United fans. Well, there you go. They had the better chance. I was speaking as a Sheffield United fan the whole way through the game, and we both admitted that Sheffield United had the best clear-cut chances, but they were very much smash and grab. Well, it, it answered the question very quickly, and we had this discussion beforehand as to whether or not they were going to play on the front foot or whether they would set up in that way. And that's, this is the thing that sort of, I think, caught some of the um, commentators, not just those commentators got the game, the entire people who were talking about the game entirely was that Leeds have had seven goals, then there were seven goals, it's got to be a goal fest. It's like, no, I, I genuinely think we're coming up against a team who are, got, who are going to set up the right way. And James put it beautifully, really, in a diagram form beforehand, because we're in a group where we're chatting with a Sheffield United fan. And it turned out that from of the 22 players that started the last game 18 months ago in the Championship... 
there were still uh, 15 or 16 of them were starting today in the same kind of setup. So it wasn't going to be that different. A year's passed, but actually, structurally wise, the the squads were playing the same system. It was going to be the same. That Sheffield United fan's never been to Bramall Lane, though, has he? Yes, regularly. Not for a while. He prefers to play. Uh, well, the, the guy I was speaking to, again, is a similar big-time Sheffield United fan, goes to all the club shops, you're not just that one, and just gets involved when Leeds are playing. And it's just proof that it's not a big game to Leeds fans. It's just a game we need to win. It's a big game to them. When they said this is the first Yorkshire derby in the Premier League since... 1990 whatever it's like no it's not it's not even close it's the first Premier League Yorkshire derby since 2001 yeah but not since 1990 whatever it's the first time we've played them but I don't I don't know about you two I, I ask you a question do you see Leeds versus Sheffield United as a big game a big derby match yes or no what's a bigger game to you I see Leeds Man United as a bigger game, but I'd I'd still say Sheffield United is a, a big match for us to play in. It was important that we got the points against them today because it's always going to be a tough fought game. I think derby wise, it's it's our biggest fixture. Oh, I know get, that get your split, get your split like your backside, boys. I'm, it's not. There's no splinter. I'm fully disagreeing with your statement. I think... You, you think Leeds Sheffield United's a big game? Yeah, it's our biggest derby. I think we care about that way more than we do about than we do about Huddersfield, than we do about Bradford. And currently, the fact that that was the first Yorkshire derby in the Premier League, fair play, that's absolutely massive. I think it's brilliant that there's two Yorkshire clubs in the Premier League. I've got my fishing hook out, yeah? I think that Leeds versus Chef Wednesday is a much bigger game. I think Leeds versus Cardiff, Leeds versus Millwall is a much bigger game. I don't know who you're trying to bait because currently, fact is that that was a massive game. It was a huge fixture against what they probably consider a relegation rival. Yeah, yeah, they do. They do. So would you rather drop a league so we can play our biggest matches then, uh, Andy? No, no, not at all. I'm just, my, my whole point is that this is a big game in respect to that this is the first barometer of quality that we've had in the Premier League. For example, we should, Liverpool is a free hit. You're playing against arguably the best team in the world and we go there and we should have got a draw, if not a win. Second game is against a team that came up w- with us and we should beat them, and we did beat them. The next game is against a team that came up the year before who arguably shouldn't have gone up against us. However, they did, and they established themselves as a top-ten club, and that's your, that's your thing you were looking against. For me, it leads you a top-ten club this season, so how do you fare against one of those teams? This is the first test, and we've come through it with flying colours. So have you just argued that that was an absolutely massive fixture? <laughs> But not in the respect of a derby. That's my point. It'd have been a big game if it was like flipping Watford. I know they're in the league below, but uh, like Palace or Everton or something like that. Well, moving on. I think one of the one of the players that seemed to be getting the most praise on uh, while watching the game was Jack Harrison. How do you think he did today, James? I think Jack Harrison is is a really good player, and he's come on so much. And I, th- I thought they actually defended quite well against him today, and. But he persevered. He kept going and he kept going. Then in the 88th minute, he put an absolute peach onto Patrick Bamford's head. And I think Patrick in the post-match even said, 
I told Jack before kickoff where I was going to head towards and twice he delivered it to that exact same spot and on the second occasion he he nodded it in. So Jack Harrison, really good player. I'm so pleased that he's doing it in the Premier League and I really hope he signs, signs with us permanently uh, next summer. I will also add, I loved his piece in the week to BBC where he said um, one of the highlights so far in his life deciding to leave Manchester United's academy. Fair play, Jack. Big rivalry, that. Didn't say left Sheffield United. I know it wasn't the books at Sheffield United, but up saying. The fans have given Patrick Bamford a lot of stick over the last couple of years, but he's now got three and three in in the first three in the Premier League. That's his personal best run in the top flight, having not scored for 27 games in the top flight before that. What did you make of his performance and his contribution? And it's the best for a lead striker since Mick Jones, who got three and three in top flight football. So... We've always been massive Patrick Bamford advocates, haven't we, boys? Bam Bam Bamford. Never bashed him, and we always rate how good he is. And do you know what? It's a delight to see him do this. Uh, I must admit, when we signed Rodrigo, I was like, oh, brilliant. 27 mil on, on a striker. Here we go. Brilliant. I like Patrick, but can he do it? Not so sure. And he's proven everybody wrong. He was brilliant again today. And as James said in his post-match, he couldn't breathe. It was absolutely spent, and that's what Leeds United do. They leave everything on the field. Well, the television pundits gave the Man of the Match award to Melier. Just how good were those two saves in the first half? This is a similar thing, isn't it, where we've known for a long time how good he is. He sort of burst onto the scene in that cup match against Arsenal at the Emirates, and he's, he's so good. His distribution's brilliant. His communication's brilliant. Sort of goes in for challenges, but then pulls out at the right time. He doesn't overcommit like Casilla. Sometimes you think, oh God, he's going to take him out here. But he just doesn't seem to make those decisions. And his shot stopping today was just so, so good. Like a complete level up. Brilliant. I'm so I'm so glad for him, and it's a great sign. And five million quid is an absolute steal. When you, when I think Sheffield United paid about twenty million for their keeper, something like yeah, that. Yeah, eighteen point five million to Bournemouth for a keeper that they sold to Bournemouth for one point five million. And, and do you know what as well? It, it, Bamford summed it up perfectly in his post-match interview once again. He literally said to the uh, the pundits, yes, yeah, so the first time you saw Ilan Melier, Melier, not Meslier, by the way, was in the Arsenal Cup game. And he's right, he, he was brilliant. I wasn't shocked by his performance, were you? I think it's just because in the first couple of games there's been a couple of question marks about his positioning and other bits, but he's making... That was due to the sun, though. He's a very good keeper, but he can't move the sun. It's bigger than the world, the sun. Not the paper, the actual thing. I felt, personally, that when Baldock went in on him, it was a little bit tasty. It's got a booking or a red all over that. Well, Baldock was already on a yellow card. I think if he wasn't, he'd have got a booking. They had a look at it and decided it wasn't a red, so left it alone. Pretty bad with that, but I don't know. It's probably 50-50, but I think that the reason why people are so surprised by him is because he is so young. You normally get a lot more aged goalkeepers in the in the Premier League, and not a lot of um, top-flight managers put trust in young players, but Bielsa is, as we say, is a complete cultivator and he is quite happy to throw anyone in if they if they fit the mould and can can do what he requires tactically. So it's not a surprise to us, and I, I think I just think he's great. I think he'll be one of the top top goalkeepers probably in the world. I agree wholeheartedly. What what a performance! What a player! His distribution, you say, is brilliant, but he's got no right to save that first shot in the first half. No right at all. His reactions are unbelievable. 
I think before the game, I called that whoever started Rodrigo or Roberts would go off at half time. At half time, I said Roberts will come off for Big Rodrigo. Big up yourself, Paul. Big up yourself. I, Flip it. I am doing. Hype yourself. Go on, lads. It's because I've watched Leeds before and I've followed what Bielsa does and it's that's a pattern. It's not a difficult pattern to follow, is it? So you're blaming Steve McManaman for this? What I'm saying is that Steve McManaman assumed at the end of the game that Rodrigo had gone off injured, so it was something that they sought to clear up. And our favourite boss, he, he basically said, yeah, I got it wrong, I should have taken off Bamford. <laughs> That's what I love about him as well, though. He's, he'll quite openly admit when he's been wrong. My favourite part of the commentary was when Steve McManaman said, I'd love just to follow Marcelo Bielsa around for the day and see what he does. I'm thinking, right, so you're for Costa, read a dossier for a bit, then you might go to Morrison's, have a little quick look around the old groceries, and then maybe go to St. Angelo and get yourself a pizza. Oh, all the very best, then to Four Parts. Good night. Uh, he's brilliant, but he's not that interested, is he? <laughs> if, you, if you're going to go down that route. And I have downplayed Marcelo quite a lot there. I know, but he's gone to St. Angels. He's not gone to Winston's, has he? <laughs> Do you know the last time I saw Steve McManaman play was against Leeds United in an evening match when he was playing for Real Madrid? Oh. What competition was that in? It was in the, uh, what's it called? Uh, the no, Champions! Yeah, that one. Ba, 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 ba. On, on Rodrigo and the change at, at half-time, we did need something to take us forward a bit creatively and and he did do that but he also sort of struggled to get into the game he was sort of making a few weird passes but again I think it just comes down to does he he doesn't normally play that role for starters he's normally an out and out number nine and again he's he's just getting into the system so I think he'll come good and the one thing with Bamford and and why we've always been able to defend him very well about in in his in his role at Leeds is because we don't just see a tv view of him we see at the games when we're there we see everything he does off the ball and how much work he puts in and you just you just can't you can't consider that on tv and i think it might be the same for rodrigo in that he's probably doing an awful lot that you cannot see do you think that's because you think rodrigo is an out and out striker and you look at the power he put behind that header do you think that's because we uh, missed pablo hernandez and we are crying out for a new creative number 10 yeah we definitely need a number 10 and Rodrigo de Paul is is the one that we keep talking about and it keeps coming back to Todd Cantwell which would be phenomenal if we could get him and but you can see you know we're just trying to make do at the minute it's like switching between Roberts and Rodrigo but it still doesn't feel right because Roberts is kind of like a, a striker really as well isn't he so yeah something needs to be done there and, and and it will happen the narrative around Sheffield United was the second season syndrome Chris Wilder Andy says was a bit salty in his post-match what did you think to them today were they were they unlucky was it just fine margins I think it was fine margins Definitely, yeah. I, they, they were so good, and the fine margin today was uh, our goalkeeper, basically, wasn't it? Yes and no. There's no excuse in elite football not to finish that first chance. Melier's done unbelievably well to stop it through great reactions, but if he's put that into the corner, that's a goal. If that if, that, if that's the top flight team like Man City, even them, what them guys in blue called who play in the same kits, Palace, who are they? You know what I mean? They spent like 200 million quid on Germans. Do you mean that guy's nephew? Oh, who's that? Chelsea, yeah. Yeah, them, yeah. If, if, if one of their boys has got it, you're like, oh my days, how have they not buried that? Because some guys like from a pub league in Norway has done it. You're not so adverse to him missing from a save from a 20-year-old keeper from Leeds who's very good. So who? If, if, that's, if that's against Man City, Aguero scores that. 
as we noted with Salah when he stuck it in absolute postage stamp top corner. He, he learned all he knows from Elder Costa. On to our man of the match. I'll start you. My man of the match is someone we haven't discussed yet. Stuart Dallas. <sighs> Stuart Dallas. I thought he was everywhere today. And it, it reminded me of James's comments before the game that previous game where he was asked to play in slightly different play- positions. I know we said, oh, Marcelo said he's going to play two at the back. And then we started out, I was like, oh, Stuart Dallas is pretty central, pretty pretty much on the right, pretty much floating around in that middle bit, pretty much everywhere. The adjustment and the fact that we were a bit steadier today was a bit about having a different system that we don't play very often. I just thought Stuart Dallas did absolutely everything. I almost thought, I give Stuart Dallas man of the match when should we should have scored those. Should have scored those, shouldn't he? What with his scoop? No, in the first his, half with his one-on-one that Basham tried to fall over on the line. I don't know. I don't know. I think Basham made that look a lot harder than it. Yeah, but Dallas be. Dallas should have powered it. I think if anyways, sometimes it could be ignored because you know how consistent he's going to be. But he kept. So kept going, kept going, and I was really impressed. Uh, believe it or not, I'm going to agree. It's between Dallas and Melier, but I've got a massive shout out for Cock. I thought it was really good. I thought when when Sharp and McBurney came on, I thought, hey, here we are. Now we're in some trouble. We've looked steady at the back and looked looked pretty good. And he dominated them. It it it, it, it didn't look at all scared. Him and Cooper both, to be fair, looked composed on the ball and played things out pretty easily and look 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 really composed uh but paul i hate to agree with you it's got to be stuart dallas has to be melier's done very very well in the big situations as did bamford if you want to go down that route you're only as good as the goals you score or the shots you stop and general run of play i thought stuart dallas was outstanding he stopped everything they did i thought jack harrison also had a very good game but Dallas was, as you say, absolutely everywhere. Do you know what? I, I, well, I'm not disagreeing with you. I thought Dallas was really, really good. That that sort of game where you have to grind it out and it's really hard for where Dallas shines and he always sort of comes up against his man on top. But And I also think Luke Aylin had a really good game as well in the yeah, first half. Yeah. In, in particular, I thought he was brilliant. He could have scored, actually, couldn't he? They had a good save. We were in three or four minutes, wasn't it? And you forget about those because of uh, Melier making those saves, but it's got to be uh, it's got to be Melier for me. I just think there's a lot of pressure on him as a 19, 20-year-old playing in the Premier League for one of the biggest clubs in the country. and The world. The world. And he just doesn't seem phased. He's just like, he's so much more composed than Casilla, which is crazy. They're like 15 years worth of experience apart. Yeah. Is that, is that naivety, do you think, in a, in a good way? Because everyone says, when he says the word naive, I think it's a bad thing. But do you think his naivety is actually great? That it's, with his naivety, it breeds more confidence? There's definitely is some naivety in it, but I also think keepers in general are just a different breed, aren't they? You know, like the fact that he <laughs> they just slid in. It's not normal, is it? No, exactly. You know, even going in for that that sort of 50-50 with Baldock where he got kicked, it's like, yeah, I wouldn't be involved in any of that. I would have just stood away from it. They just don't care, do they? They just, they just get in. And yeah, I, I think he's there's a lot more to come from him. There'll be mistakes because that happens, but yeah, he's, he's, really, he's really, really good. He fits the team and system very, very well. What you've just said reminds me of a Noel Whelan comment from Bolton away when... Sylvestri didn't go in for something and Noel Whelan's come out afterwards and just gone 
He's a pretty boy. He won't go in for them. And you have to go in for them when you're a keeper like that. Good impression, Paul. And you just thought, God. Get in! No, because it was get out. We should have won that game. And we sat outside the Reebok in the championship, having lost to Bolton or whatever it was, not taking a win. We should have done. And your Italian keeper, who's part of the sick note six, is refusing to take, like, he's a goalkeeper who won't do those things. And now we've got a no fear young French superstar who's playing in the Premier League and it's absolutely magnificent. We can all tell we're all really happy and ecstatic with win. My final word is Guardiola. It's going to be a interesting game next weekend against Manchester City. We have a very, very big challenge and it'll be interesting just because... Some games are hard to sell for the press. That one writes itself, doesn't it? That story. It does indeed. Is gratified the right word? I'll let you have it. Depends, I, I, you, depends what you say for your reason. I feel that after the Liverpool game, we needed to get some points on the board after that performance. And now I feel gratified that we've actually done that and we've performed well and we've got six points for the next two games. If anyone's listening and cares enough, you can tell us whether Andy's used gratified correctly in that sentence or not. My thing is, everyone's gone, oh, can Leeds defend, can Leeds do this, can Leeds do that? The last game against Fulham, we let two really, really crap goals in and one dodgy pen. Other than that, I think we've defended really well because I don't think we could have stopped any goals at Liverpool apart from the pen that wasn't a pen. So when you question how good we are defensively, I think we're great. And we've just spent 18 million quid on a new defender. We're only going to get better. I feel quite gratified that we're a good, worthy Premier League team. I think that's really, really true. It's really important that... I know I talked a lot about the narrative around Sheffield United, but... The narrative around Leeds did not need to be that we're leaky at the back as much as we're good going forwards because we've been superb at the back. But we had a big change and uh, new Ben White, Mr. Cock, has had a solid game. Brilliant. Um, so I'm going to say content. A little cheeky Sunday win that sets you into the week, takes you into that Man City game. We've got six points on the board. That makes it, it's not a free hit, but it makes it a lot less pressured when, you've, when you're when you not Sheffield United with however many games and zero points. Zero. It's, well, exactly. And it, it, it makes a massive difference. So onward to Saturday. Love you boys. It's been a pleasure. Actually, very quickly, I would say that people are more than welcome to take advantage of our online offer of 10% off all prints at shop.leesat.com with the discount code at checkout print 10. There's some absolutely beautiful Berardi print oh, and, yeah. and a print of the great man himself, the tactician prints. Go check them out, but we'll see you on Saturday. Free beer. That's right. While you watching the team from the comfort of your own home. I'd rather be at the game, but if I can't be at the game, I'll have some free ale. Cheers, boys. They're offering eight craft beers, sourced and curated from the best breweries on the planet, for free. And do you know who they've sent some to? Well, they've sent them some to us, haven't they? Oh, that noise. All you need to do is go to www.beer52.com forward slash leads that. That's beer and the number 52 and just cover the 5 95 for the postage. And you get eight craft beers? You get eight craft beers. We've you... got a cheeky snack too and a book. You do, you get, you get a copy of Ferment magazine and a, and a beer snack to go with it. Do you reckon they've listened to this and gone, 
that Andy likes a beer. He'll do that. Beer 52 is the world's most popular craft beer discovery club with over 150,000 members that they send a brand new case to every month. Every month's case has a different theme. It's lovely and cold, this one as well. It's been in the fridge. Past themes have included beer from New Zealand, South Africa, Korea, and all over the USA and Europe. Disclaimer, we actually refrigerated it ourselves. Do we need all this fluff? Which they can Yes. It's a bit long, isn't it? I want eight more next time, Beer 52. Just for Andy. Mate, the best bit is, I don't like dark beers and it's got a right load of IPAs in this one for me. Well, the thing is, if dark beer's not your thing, you can simply choose the light option and you... Who, who likes dark beer? Plenty of folks like a good dark beer. Like who? Our mate Matt. Oh, yeah, Matt likes a dark beer. Fair enough. Andy likes a stout. He does, doesn't he? And they're coming in all? They're coming in and all. Oh. Don't worry. If you do change your mind, you can pause or cancel your account at any time. Just go to beer52.com forward slash leads that to get your first case of eight beers for $5.95. Speaking of a slash, after these eight beers, I'll probably need one. That's beer52.com forward slash leads that. Beer52.com forward slash leads that. Podcast Network.